Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. James chapter 1, we're going to be talking this morning about the subject of practical faith. Now, as you're turning there, the worship team is transitioning. I want to remind you of a couple of things this morning. Uh, first, of those, first of those is, I want you to mark your calendars for Sunday, March 8th. Sunday, March 8th, our district superintendent for the North Carolina Assemblies of God, Pastor Rick Ross and his wife Susan, are going to be here with us in the service, and Pastor Rick's going to be sharing a phenomenal preacher with a word for the body of Christ, and we challenge all of you to be here uh, for that Sunday. It's going to be an amazing day in the Lord, so we want to see you here uh, Sunday, March 8th. Also, I want to mention very briefly that you saw this morning there is a discounted rate available for the marriage retreat. And just so you know, we priced that originally as close to cost as we could possibly get it. But listen, if you're willing to invest, so are we. Uh, And we'd rather have you there than not. So if cost is a hindrance for you, please, by all means, uh, take just a minute to go and fill out that application. If you think that's going to be a big, long, invasive document that you've got to fill out in order to apply for a discount... I want to tell you that it's a, it's the, the application is two questions, okay? And one of those questions is, what's your name? Okay? So you should be able to fill it out pretty, pretty handily there, so it wouldn't, wouldn't take too much from you. Okay? So let's jump in the Word together. If you've got James chapter 1, would you shout amen? amen. All right. Uh, I want to talk today, as we said, about practical faith. And we spend a lot of time defining terms here and talking about exactly what faith is and what faith does and those things. I want to pause for just a minute here and define the term practical. Practical is a word we find in the dictionary. It's simply defined as pertaining to practice or action. Pertaining to practice or action. Now today we're going to focus, as we said, on James chapter 1. And we're going to take a bit of a summary view of the entire chapter, but we're going to focus on a few thoughts in particular along the way as we work through this text. And we're not going to go verse by verse, but simply here kind of section by section. And I trust that you will follow up with this reading in your time of study during this week and looking back over James chapter 1 and considering this word. Uh, If you have a bulletin handy, there are notes on the back of that, and those are certainly going to come in handy for your further study as you move through the week, and we challenge you to do that. So in in the first opening 18 verses, specifically verses 2 through 18, we find James informing the body of Christ. Now, I want you to keep in mind that when we're reading here the book of James, James is what is classified in Scripture as an epistle. And an epistle is simply this. It's a letter that was written to the churches. So, and we're going to say a little bit more about that in in just a little bit. But this was a letter that James wrote to people of like faith as you and I, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wrote to them, encouraging them and trying to strengthen them in the faith. And James is very forthright in this letter with coming out in the opening verses and saying to the church... You will face things in this life that are going to test your faith. You're going to go through some things. You're going to endure some things. You're going to meet some challenges that are going to test your faith. 
James talks about in chapter one, trials. And he says, you know, think it not strange when you encounter these trying things in your lives. He says that trials will produce perseverance. Perseverance will produce maturity. And he finally concludes in verse 12 and says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trials. In other words, blessed is the person who keeps on keeping on even in the face of a trial. Then he moves from that and he begins to talk a little bit about doubts. How many of you have ever encountered doubts in your life? And he speaks about doubts and he says that the one who doubts is going to receive nothing from God. We read that in verses six through eight. And he says that one who doubts is unstable and he's like the waves of the sea and he's blown and tossed by the wind. And then James spends just a minute talking about humbling experiences how many of you have ever had any humbling experiences in life? Now, humbling experiences are never fun and they're absolutely not comfortable. But sometimes we face situations in life that kind of uh, knock us off our high horse, so to speak. And we're, we're kind of uh, brought back to the reality of our own humanity and our faults and our flaws. And it can be a humbling, life can be a humbling experience sometimes. And sometimes even in that humbling experience, we can begin to question our faith and say, you know, is, is, am I where I really thought I was? And are the things that I had put my faith and my trust in, are, are they really there? Are they really solid and sure? And we're going to face those things. It's not, it's not uncommon. And then James talks about temptations and he says, as a test of our faith, we're going to, we're going to face temptation. Now here's where I want to remind you that James was writing to the church. As James is writing here about temptations, temptations being things that lure us away from truth, things that entice us to forfeit God's best for our lives and settle for the substitutes that the devil offers. Those are temptations. As James is writing here to the church, I want to point out to you that temptation is not limited to the sins committed by those outside of the church. So oftentimes we hear the word temptation and immediately we think about things that are going on on the outside, how people have fallen to temptation. They, we think about the temptations, the allure of, of sex and drugs and alcohol and greed and, and all of those things. And we kind of contextualize temptation in that way. But let me offer you a few more. We're also tempted to give in sometimes to our emotions to give ourselves over to gossip, to our own devices. We're tempted to let our own insecurities overwhelm our faith in God sometimes. Temptation comes to all of us in some way, in some measure along life's road. And it's there to test our faith. All of these things, the trials, the doubt, the humbling experiences, the temptations, these are real life issues with which you and I will struggle every day as we're trying to live a victorious Christian life. This is real life. Coming down to verse 19 then, we hit a little bit of a transition. In my Bible, I read from the New King James often, and in my Bible, that verse 19 begins with the phrase, so then. If you're reading from the NIV, it says, take note. If you're reading from the NLT, it says, understand this. If you're reading from the King James Version, it says, wherefore. And what, it, what is about to happen here, the reason there's such a dramatic attention grabber there 
is because James is about to offer a resolution based on the fact of the matter regarding these tests of our faith that we're going to face every day. James is saying, you're going to be tested. Now here's how you respond. You're going to be tried. Here's how to respond. And this is the announcement, this Take note, this so then here. This is the announcement of a resolution based on a previous statement of facts. James is about to tell us how to interact with these tests of our faith. He'll start by instructing us to be partakers of the word of the Lord. Verses 19 through 21, James is telling us that we need to listen to the word. We need to listen to the instruction of the word. Now, it is important for the believer to expose themselves to the truth of Scripture. I want to say that again. It is important for the believer to expose themselves to the truth of Scripture. It's vitally important. At no point in this message, as we move through this word, do you need to diminish or undervalue the importance of being in the word, of exposing yourself to the truth of scripture. It's important that we're here today breaking the bread of life together with those of like faith. It's important that we're in our word on a daily basis. It's important that you're discussing the word with your connect group and that you bring your kids and your students to faith kids and faith youth so that they can be exposed to the truth of scripture. It's important for those of you that are college age that you gather with those of, of a similar season in life and discuss together and expose yourselves to the truth of the word. It's important that, that the ladies are getting into growth groups and that we all attend the midweek Bible study and together as often as we can, we expose ourselves to the truth of God's word. And you say, well, pastor, you've stressed that importance quite thoroughly here this morning. Now, can you tell me why it's so important? Certainly. It's important because without the hearing of the word, we'll be ill-informed. If we're not regularly interacting with the word of God and having our minds renewed by its truth, several things will be the outcome of that. Number one, you and I will have a skewed view of morality. When I say morality, I mean the knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. And if we're not exposing ourselves to the truth and having our minds renewed, we're left to nothing but our own understanding. And the word cautions us in the book of Proverbs, lean not to your own understanding. Why? Because there's a way that seems right to a man but the end of it is destruction. So we're not to lean on our own understanding, but we're to be informed. Our understanding is to be informed by the truth of scripture. And we, when, we, when we are just left to our own assessment, we're wrong. It's dangerous. That is, that is a dangerous and reckless way of living. The second thing that will happen to us is that we'll have a, diminished understanding of the nature and the character of God and that is detrimental to our spiritual development. A third thing that happens to us is that we won't know what we might rightly expect as our inheritance as children of God and in turn we'll forfeit victories that we could be walking in. 
will not ask for blessing that we could be receiving, and that's unfortunate. A fourth thing that happens to us, and this is not an all-inclusive list, but it's just to kind of give you an idea. A fourth thing that happens to us is that we're not going to understand our identity as children of God. And friend, let me tell you something, that is outright tragic. Paul wrote to the church at Rome and said this, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Your faith is strengthened. Your faith is informed as you receive the word of truth into your life. We're to receive, James tells us in verse 21, we're to receive this truth with humility. (laughs) You say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, that means that we don't stand before the counsel of the word with prideful hearts thinking that we've got it all together and that we know better. You know, there's some people that they approach the word with a very pharisaical kind of standpoint. And they'll, they'll look through this word And they'll find the things that they're doing well. And they'll begin to read those things and rejoice in those things alone. And, you know, they'll be like the Pharisee who came to Jesus and asked what was the greatest commandment and all these things. And he said, well, all these things I have done since my youth. And we'll just kind of, you know, if we're not careful, we can read this word and not be honest with ourselves. And just kind of reflect on the pieces that we'll highlight the spots where we feel like we're doing the best and then just kind of stand there and pat ourselves on the back. Do you know what happens then? What happens in that instance is that, you know, five years ago we were struggling with a problem. And here we are five years later, we're still struggling with the same problem. And 10 years, a decade passes and we're still struggling with the same problems. And 20 years can pass and 30 and 40 years. And before you know it, we've been sitting on a church pew for half a century struggling with the same problems and never growing or moving forward in our faith. Can I tell you something? The church in general, not necessarily faith assembly, I'm not speaking specifically because I know that here among us there are mature believers in the Lord. And I praise God for that. I am so thankful for that. But can I tell you, when you're, when you're sitting at the restaurant this afternoon and you're hearing people go on and on and on about petty little misgivings within the body of Christ, it's because we have 50-year-old babes still occupying church pews who are just kind of sitting there, looking in there, saying, oh, let me tell you, I'm doing this so much better than this person over there. We need to be hearers of the word and and we need to come and stand before the counsel of the truth with humility, with a teachable spirit and receive its life-changing counsels and pray as the psalmist, Lord, search me and know my heart and see if there's any spiritual deficiency in my life. Show me my weakness. Reveal it to me. Give me your revelatory word. And then James is really quick to add here that hearing alone is incomplete. Hearing alone is incomplete. You know, if you and I come to church week in, week out, we read our Bible every day just for the sake of fulfilling our little annual reading chart that we've got, but we never do anything with what we know. It's like going to the doctor 
We're sick, we feel bad, we're broken, we go to the doctor, they diagnose us, they say, this is what's wrong. And let me write you a prescription because I'm gonna give you a remedy for what's ailing you. And we take our little prescription, we, we meander off to the drugstore, we go in, we purchase the goods, we take them home. Some of you ladies will drop them in your purse, you fellas, you'll throw them in the console of your truck and you ride them around. Maybe you take them home, put them on a special shelf. Maybe you take it home and you arrange it neatly on the coffee table for the world to see. But you never open the top and you never release the remedy to be activated in your body. Nothing's going to change. And too often... We're walking around with the remedy in our pocket. We've, we've got the remedy at home on the shelf. I mean, the dust is a quarter inch thick on it, but we've got it and we know what's in there and we know the power of it, but we're not opening it up and allowing it to be an active agent of change in our lives and in our hearts and our minds. So hearing alone is incomplete. You know, too many of us know what's necessary for us to live victoriously, yet we live daily without putting into action the things that God has prescribed in the Bible as being the cure for our spiritual deficiencies. And James says this, he says, don't merely be a hearer of the word only. Now again, that's not to diminish the importance of hearing, but he hastens there and says, look, this is only half of the equation. You not only need to be a hearer of the word, but you need to be a doer. You need to be a doer of the word also. As I said, James is not trying to diminish this. He's simply stressing the fact that he'll point out later on that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And then James, to help us understand his meaning here, he gives us this illustration of a man looking in the mirror. And he says, a person that hears the word and doesn't do the word is like a man that goes and beholds himself in a mirror. He sees the type of person that he is. And then he turns away from that glass, walks away, and absolutely forgets what he had seen in the mirror. He doesn't behave in accordance with what he saw in the mirror. He doesn't walk in accordance with what he saw in the mirror. He doesn't believe in accordance with what he saw in the mirror. He just walks away and forgets all that. You see, you and I right now, we're looking in a mirror. How many of you have your Bible? You've got your screen open to your spot. You're looking in a mirror. Except this mirror is not reflecting for us our natural visage. It's not, it's not showing us how we look naturally, but it's showing us who we are spiritually. It's showing us, it's reflecting for us the glory of God in our lives. It's showing you that there is no weapon that's formed against you that's going to prosper. Right now, when you're looking in these words, you're seeing Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You're reading Romans 8.1 that says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
You're reading Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know that God works all things together for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. You're reading all that and you're reflecting and you're saying, man, oh man, I'm so glad that I'm that type of person. And right now we're looking in the mirror and we're beholding the glory of God's revealed truth over our lives. But as soon as we walk away from that mirror that reflects God's truth in my life, sometimes I forget all those things. All I can remember is my infirmity. All I remember is my weakness. All I remember is my fault and my shortcoming and the condemnation that was on my life. And here's where this is really important. Listen, if your Bible's like mine, and I want to go back to this issue of this being a letter, but if your Bible's like mine, it has little subheadings over different sections in the, in the Word. It has, it has the various things. when It lets you know when you jump from topic to topic here. If your Bible's like mine, it, at verse 2, it says profiting from trials. By verse 9, it changes again and says the perspective of the rich and the poor. By verse 12, it says loving God under trials. By verse 19, it says qualities needed in trials. And we're seeing all these things on and on and on and on. And it goes all the way through the book. Now, as I've been studying this, this passage here, I've been almost tempted to get my marker out and strike through all those different subheadings. Because what happens is in our minds, we begin to compartmentalize that passage of scripture. And we feel like we're passing from subject to subject to subject. But I want to submit to you this morning that the book, the chapter, James chapter one here is not a collection of several subjects, but it is one complete cycle. Are you with me? Because here's what's going to happen. There is a testing of our faith. Your faith right now, your faith is being built up with the word of truth. But when you leave this place and we're looking in the mirror and we're beholding the glory of God as revealed in our lives through the finished work of Calvary and the guarantee of Christ's resurrection, we know who we are in Jesus. Touch somebody right now and tell them, I know who I am in Jesus. But the sad reality is too many of us get up and we walk out of these doors and after we've done reflected in this mirror here, we forget that. I forget that I'm Christ's ambassador to this world. I forget that I'm a citizen, not of this world, but of a heavenly kingdom. I forget that my, my call in life is to represent Christ in this world. There's testings of our faith. What are we to do about that? James simply says this. The answer is simply this. Keep reading, keep hearing, keep studying the word and having studied, do what it says. Do what it says. And this encouragement is given because right now you and I are looking in a mirror that reflects God's truth about us, about him, about the world around us, about the realities of an unseen world. And we're keenly aware in this moment of who we are in Christ and what he's done for us and what's available to us through him. But in a few minutes, we'll all say amen. We'll walk out those doors back into situations that are going to try our faith. 
See, we call this a sanctuary, this room. We call it a sanctuary. It's not as much a spiritual connotation as it is a practical application. And that is this, that when we come through those doors, we leave the outside outside. We, we come to the altar, we surrender the cares, the burdens. When we're praising the Lord, we're laying things at the feet of Jesus. And the adversary can't get in here. But he's out there. And in a moment, we're going to leave the mirror. We're going to walk away from the mirror. We're going to leave the sanctuary. And we're going to go back out there where we're fair game. In a few minutes, we're going to return to the life of trials, of doubt, of life situations that will humble us and temptations. And James says in verse 25 that the pathway to blessing is if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Pastor Lisa said last week in her, that amazing message that she delivered here to the body, and it bears repeating today, you can't omit obedience to or disobey completely the revealed truth of God and expect his blessing in your life. You know, I sometimes tire and weary from people who run around and say they, they want a word. They need a word. Everybody wants a word from the Lord. And what I've come to understand about that is, is that they're not looking for a revelatory word. You see, the revelatory word is that when I look, in, when I look into this scripture, it reveals things about me. It's sharp and it's powerful, quicker than any two-edged sword. And it begins to show me what's right in my life and what's not right in my life. And then I have choices to make. And sometimes they're difficult choices. They're disciplines that need to be introduced into my life. And what I've decided, what I, what I believe the Spirit has shown me is that people are not necessarily looking for a revelatory word. They want a revolutionary word. In other words, they want to come and they want to sit somewhere under the sound of somebody else's voice and they want to hear a word that just by the hearing of the word is just going to instantaneously and miraculously change their lives. They're not going to have to make any hard decisions. They're not going to have to adopt any new disciplines. They're not going to have to pray anymore. They're not going to have to study any harder. They're just going to wave a wand and it's all going to change. And can I tell you as kindly as I know how, that word ain't coming. That word is not coming. I will tell you this, the revelatory word of God will revolutionize your life if you'll walk in it. If you will not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer also, it will revolutionize your life. It will change you from the inside out. And the truth is, here's the hard truth. The truth is that we all have more word right now than we're willing to or are actively walking in. Stop me when I'm wrong. I want to give you a little bit of, we've been talking about practical faith. I want to give you a little bit of practical application. Because I believe that as you and I attend church together as we receive the word of the Lord together then continually step by step by step we ought to be growing together 
Too often our goal, though, is simply too broad. It's too ambiguous. It lacks definition and clarity that's needed to achieve it. All we've ever heard is someone tell us that we need to be like Jesus. How many of you, that's your goal? You want to be like Jesus? I'll raise two hands way up high. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory. All I ask is to be like him. The reality, however, is that when we look at who we are and what we are and who he is and what he is, my, 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 just sometimes there's just such an overwhelming gulf between where we are and where he is. It just seems too daunting of a task and sometimes we just, we give up. We give up and we're happy just to abide among the fold of the body of Christ, never changed, never growing, always staying in the same place, battling the same demons over and over and over to infinity. Can I tell you today that the Lord wants you to have victory. He doesn't want us to get 5, 10, 15 years down the road and figure out that nothing's changed for us at all. That we're still battling the same hiccups and hang-ups. He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. He wants us to become more like him. Being like Jesus is certainly a, a, a wonderful goal. It's biblical. Paul says that the effect of our interaction with the word should be that we're becoming more like Jesus. Peter said that Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his steps. But too often are the times that we can't see how to get from where we are to where we'd like to be. So here's what I want to challenge you with today. Number one. How many of you can identify at least just one area in your life that you're deficient, spiritually lacking, and under, underdeveloped in that area of your life? Just one, maybe two. If you can't identify, then praise God bless you, holy water, all that stuff. Let me talk to everybody else for a minute. The rest of us who have not attained because I certainly have not. I, I know it's a bigger step for some of us than it is for others. It's a shorter distance for my wife to be like Jesus than it is for me. I, I've got a longer way to go. And I know this because she puts up with me. How many of you can identify that one particular area of struggle in your life? Now say, Pastor, how do I figure that out? Well, let me ask you something. When's the last time you walked away from a situation and you just had a gnawing in the, in the pit of your being that just said, you know, I'm not exactly 100% sure what Jesus would have done, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. What, what I just did. 
That's one of those things. And maybe that thing recurs in your life over and over and over again. Maybe, maybe you're facing that thing and it's just a battle and you're trying to figure out how to get over it. I want you to, if you've got your bulletin on the back there, I want you down close to the bottom. We've provided some questions for you to help guide you in this study. I want you to write those couple of things down. And listen, I want to be very clear. I want to clarify. I'm not speaking about hardships related to external things. So often we want to look elsewhere to lay the blame for our defeat. But maturity and spiritual growth happens, as James said, when we humble ourselves first before the word. I'm speaking expressly about internal spiritual needs, places where you know you need to grow, victories that you desperately need in your life. Go ahead and write those things down. Number two, having identified those things, I want you to get into your word because it is important that you be a hearer of the word. But can I tell you something? It's one thing to read your daily Bible reading plan in order to get that off your checklist for the day. It's something different to study the word. And you know, you can Google most anything you wanna find out. There's some of you that know great realities because you've been willing to Google to try to research and find out some things. There's some of you also that know a great deal of things that are not realities because you've been willing to Google, find out things, just disclaimer, just because it's on the internet doesn't make it real. But you know, if you're struggling with something, you can just simply type in scriptures that deal with. There you go. 0.635 seconds. You've got 15 million different results. Now, I caution you not to read all the commentary associated with all those articles, but you can at least find the references and then you get into your word and you begin to read, you begin to study. If you have a half-decent Bible in the very back, there's something that kind of looks like a dictionary. It's called a concordance. And you can find what you're dealing with. And it'll have a list of all the places in Scripture where it's where that is list where that's spoken about. And you can go there and you say, Well, Pastor, I don't think, I don't think internet pornography is in my Bible. Well, maybe it's not by name, but it's there by principle. Maybe your opioid addiction is not in here by name, but it's in here by principle. Okay? It's, there's a principle in the word that covers it and you need to get in that word and find out what the scripture has to say about it. Get into your word. Hear the word of the Lord on the matter. Inform your thought. Inform your life. Inform your actions with the wisdom of God. And then you need to pray about that thing. You need to ask God for strength because you've tried for years and you didn't get it kicked and you're not going to. But you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So pray about that area. Now here's another area of prayer. In James chapter 5, he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Now knowledge is what you know. Wisdom is what to do with what you know. 
So you've identified the need, you've found the prescription in the word, and then you pray and say, God, help me apply this to my life. Be specific. Don't just, God, give me wisdom. No, Lord, help me. Help me know how to beat this addiction. Help me know how to change my rotten attitude. Help me know how to get over myself long enough to be a blessing to somebody else. Help me know how to do that. Yield yourself in prayer to the work of the Holy Spirit being accomplished in your life and his fruit being borne out through your life. And then fourth and finally, after identifying the problem, studying and praying, do. 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 Get up from that place of study. Get up from that place of prayer. Don't look at who you are in the mirror of the word and forget that as you walk away. But get up and represent the truth of God's glory revealed in your life. Get up. Walk in the word. Do what it says. Are you going to fail? Yes, you will. Don't quit. Are you going to not be perfect all the time? Yes, you will. But keep on moving because if you can get that victory in your life in just that one little place, God will get you to a place that then you can begin to focus on other things. And step by step from glory to glory to glory, you'll be changed into the image of his son. You'll find out five years from now, you're a lot more like Jesus than you were five years ago. Ten years from now, you'll be a lot more like Jesus than you were a decade ago. But it'll never happen if all you ever do is warm a church pew and listen to a sermon. If all you ever do is get through your little checklist of what scripture you're supposed to read on this day and that day. No, no, no. It's not enough to simply be a hearer of the word. We've got to be a doer also just get it down and say, God, would you help me in this one area? God, my thought life is rotten. What do I need to do to fix it? Show me in your word. Guide me by your Holy Spirit. Help me apply it to my life and walk in it. Move in the truth of what God has revealed to your heart because the revelatory word of God will revolutionize your life if you walk in it. Amen? Would you stand with me? Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen to this. Here's the chief end of the church. Till we all come to the unity of of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure 
and the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to mature, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's God's plan for us, church. As we come into this place, we receive the word of the Lord. We get it. We get in our study times at home. We receive the word of the Lord. And then we, we ask God to help us with the application of that word. And then we go out. We walk away from that mirror. We remember who we are. And we behave like we remember who we are. Until we find out we're changed. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Father. We love you. We thank you for your glorious grace that not only finds us as we are, but refuses to leave us like we are, but challenges us to come up higher, to grow, to mature. And Lord, thank you for this admonition of the word to not only be a hearer, but a doer also. God, I declare victories over this congregation right now. Lord, I declare victories. Lord, people that have been struggling with things for years, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain in their lives that is going to be the victory that you usher in as we are faithful to walk in the truth of your word. God, I believe addictions are going to be broken in Jesus' name. I believe that poor thought patterns are going to be broken in Jesus' name. I believe that poor attitudes and dispositions are going to fall in Jesus' name. I believe right now that doubt is falling in Jesus' name. I believe as a result, relationships are being healed in Jesus' name. I believe that victories are being wrought in Jesus' name. I believe that relationships are being healed in Jesus' name. I believe that witness is increasing in this land in Jesus' name. As we grow and mature in Christ, Father, help us not simply to gather in this place to espouse theory, but Lord, to go away from this mirror as we behold your glory in our lives and remember that we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We are children of the Most High God. We are blessed and highly favored. We are victorious through Christ Jesus, our King. And no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. Help us to remember as we go out these doors that we are Christ's ambassadors. We're not in this world to represent the world around us, but we are in this world to represent a kingdom that is not of this world. Help us to remember, oh God. Help us to walk daily in accordance with your word. And we give you the praise and the glory and all the honor. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want to offer you an invitation this morning that perhaps you're here today. And you'd say, Pastor, I know 
I have been a hearer of the word and I understand. My knowledge base is such that I know that salvation comes through Christ Jesus and him alone. That in him there's forgiveness of sins, but as yet I have not exercised the wisdom to invite him into my life, to surrender my heart to him. Because it's not simply enough to know that Jesus saves. The wisdom has to be applied as we find in 1 John's epistle that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.